0: Well, I'm really glad to see everybody. Today we're going to be talking about, I would like to talk about um, connecting with God in prayer, or what I'm calling closet time. It comes from Matthew chapter 6 where he says, you know, don't make a big show of your prayers. Instead, go into your into your closet, go into your inner room and spend some time with your Father there and he'll reward you. So we're talking about this private, secret prayer time connecting with god life and so i'm going to pray and then i'll tell you a story we'll go from there father thank you so much for this morning thank you for the second service thank you for everyone who's here today thank you that you're just god of the universe father you're in charge of everything and even while you're here helping me speak by the holy spirit lord you are um, causing universes to spin and you're keeping stars burning if they haven't already burned out now Uh, Father, you're keeping 7 billion people alive and managing the entry and exit from the world for many people. Father, you're ruling over nations, you're ruling over um, weather, you're ruling over everything. And yet here you are with us, fully attentive. And Father, you're capable of having undivided attention on every single soul in this room and every person who hears my voice. So Father, I just want to worship you as God Almighty. Father, I pray that you'd help us. you do something today in our, in our minds, in our hearts, in our midst that would take all of us deeper into connecting with you in personal prayer, in our closet time. In Jesus' name, amen. I heard a story recently told by Bill Hybels, and it was about a guy with a rocking chair. And I have a rocking chair. This is my rocking chair. I inherited this from my grandfather when he passed away. and I, So I think it's fairly old. I think it's as old as I am, if not older. But this is my rocking chair for my office. And Bill Hybels was telling a story. Oh, I feel like Mister Dressup. All of a sudden, I'm going to sit down. and Gather to me, children, as I tell you about a fox and a turtle. No, um, he was telling a story about a friend of his, um, a guy who became a friend, and he was doing a similar message to this, just this call and this encouragement to uh, have time alone with god to be in the word to be in prayer to be listening to him and this guy came up after the message and just said you know pastor i'm i'm a professional i'm a professional in the marketing world i'm really busy and i really just don't have time for this regular routine of spending time in the word spending time in prayer and uh bill hybels responded to him very wisely he said you know i find in life that we make time for what's important to us. And the young man heard that and understood what he was saying and all its implications and didn't appreciate it very much, kind of went away, but came back after a few weeks or a few months. And he said, You know, I've been thinking about what you said, so what I did was I got a I got a rocking chair. And what I'm doing is each morning I spend a little bit of time, I spend about 10 or 15 minutes a morning just sitting in the rocking chair. I've got this nice view, so I put the chair in front of the view, and I I sit in my rocking chair, and I open my Bible, and I just ask God to speak to me, and I spend time reading, and praying, and telling in my heart, and then I go off and do my day, which is great. You know, sermon, mission accomplished. That's wonderful. Pastors love to hear when something has happened from all of our gesticulating and up front. Well, after a few months, this guy came up to Bill Hybels, and and this was an early time in their church, so they were kind of small, and he said, you know, I think I'm doing my, my times with the Lord, and I, I feel like he's stirring my heart to quit my job, and to come and serve the church, and just help it grow, and, and help it to thrive. Bill Hybel said that, hey, that's a great desire, you know, we're a small church still, we don't have any money for you, um, so you just need to know that. I said, well, you know, I, I've done fairly well at my job, and I actually don't need to work, so I'm, I just feel God's called me to this, so if... If you'd like, I'll come in and I'll help out here. And, and you know, that's a dream position for many people. <laughs> Bill Hybels probably needed a rocking chair at that moment just to fall into. He said, sure, we'll do it. And so he came on staff and he served. And I'm not sure all that he did, but I, I, I'm hoping you can imagine that somebody who is a very successful person in the marketing world could be very influential at a church. And the church kind of grew and got really healthy and and grew. And, um, and after a while, he said, you know, I, I feel like, I've been having my times with the Lord. I feel like God's calling me to go somewhere else. My time here is done. So there's actually a, another church plant over in another city, and I feel like God's calling me to go and serve there. I'm going to have to go back into the, the business world. I'm going to have to go back into the marketplace because, again, they're really small, and, a, and at this stage in our life we need to do that. But I'm going to go over there and serve. And, and so just over the years, that he, he just would do this. He would spend time with the Lord, and the Lord was directing him. Major choices... Sometimes coming into the church, sometimes moving out of it, but just moving around. And as Bill Hybels tells the story, you know, this this gentleman ended up contracting cancer fairly young in life and and ended up dying. Uh, but his wife was telling Bill Hybels just, you know, this this rocking chair of my husband's we all know what a huge impact his time what the Lord in that rocking chair had in this life. Like he, he became a different person. And his adult life was defined by what came out of this time with the Lord in the rocking chair. And so we're going to take this rocking chair and it's going to become a family heirloom and we're just going to hand it down through the generations and tell the story of all that God did in this rocking chair. And so here's my rocking chair. It's pretty nice. It's got a little bit of inlay in the back here or it's a dyed or something, but I, too, spend a lot of time with the Lord in this rocking chair. I got this, we bought these nice cushions. They're mostly torn apart. And I've got this uh, kind of fleece blanket. So when I'm enjoying my time with the Lord too much and it's time for me to close my eyes and do some meditation, I've got this blanket here. I just kind of wake up five minutes later to my phone going off or whatever it is. But this is my space, and I'll often make a cup of coffee or something, and I've got this great little ledge in my office, and I put my coffee right here, and I've got my Bible here, and I'll pull up my life journal, so if I feel like God's talking to me, I've got some place to write down what I think he's saying, or questions, or just anything from the scripture that I want to write down, I can write this down, and it sits on the ledge too, and then I have this ever-growing pile of gigantic books behind my chair, because I'm too lazy to put the books back on the shelf, so I kind of just pick one down, and I read it, and then when I'm done, it's like, I could... but. I just put it right here. I might need it sometime later. And so I've got about 15 books behind me that I've looked at within the last four months. And that's my space. It's my space. And so this morning, I just want to walk through different places in Scripture and share share some, some thoughts, because um, I believe that God is calling us as a church to kind of go deeper with Him. We have many big projects on the horizon, stirrings for buildings, stirrings for missions. Um, God is connecting us with more people. Um, the longer we let Dave out of Steinbeck, the more things he finds to connect us with. You may have noticed if you're involved in any of these things. So it's not like there's going to be less stuff happening. And um, all, I think all true church health comes out of Many, many people having healthy walks with the Lord. You can't actually have a big roaring fire with all of the wood and all of the coals being cold. A big fire is the combination of lots of wood burning and lots of coals glowing. Uh, You can't have a really well-trained army together if all of the soldiers don't know what they're doing. There's something about a church together being called to go deeper with the Lord so that we can do stuff together. And I actually don't want to lead a church where it's just me and four other people having really great prayer times. And I want to be in a church where everybody's growing in their personal time with the Lord, in their walk with the Lord. Where I could go up to most people and say, how are you and Jesus doing? And they would say, really great, I'm really enjoying the Lord. That's my desire. So that's where I'm coming from. That's my Pastor Rob 20,000 foot view. So I've got 12 things here to share with us this morning. 12 thoughts about closet time. 12 thoughts about getting into your rocking chair. Or wherever it is you'll end up connecting with the Lord regularly. Thought number one. Remember the gospel. Your prayer life is bought for you by the blood of Jesus. Our prayer life and a growing prayer life is bought for us and paid for us and won for us and delivered for us to us by Jesus Christ through his life, death, and resurrection. There I, I can I can exaggerate sometimes. Has anybody noticed that? Okay, not too many people, so I'm reining it in from the front somewhat. And I kind of have this list of things that are the best thing ever. Okay, which, if you think about, shouldn't happen. You know, usually if there's one best thing, if there's a best thing ever, there's only one. You can't have a list. But I've got a list. Um, Jackie's on my list of best things ever. Um, Bacon is right up there, vying for the top three places. But um, when I when I'm in a sane moment, I I I think I'm onto something here. I think that prayer is just one of the best things ever because the act of a Christian coming to God and saying, Father, shouldn't happen. It, sh- it shouldn't be possible. If you read over the Bible and you actually take seriously what God has said has happened in human history, with the fall of man and the betrayal in the garden of Adam and Eve, and just becoming sinners, and the Bible saying that when you're a sinner, it's not just by accident; it's from the heart. We have crooked, broken hearts that actually want to reject God. We look at God's universe and we think, "I would rather worship a bull. I would rather be excited about a person than the invisible, eternal, infinite, immortal God." And these, these acts are actually not just little mistakes. They are treason and rebellion and deserving of an eternal punishment because of what we've done. Um, Tony was sharing out of Romans sometime this morning, and it just clued me in like there's this, there's this space in Romans chapter 5 where the scripture says, just to paraphrase, it says, you know, somebody will be willing to die for a good person sometimes. But God shows his love in this that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's like, that's supposed to be impossible. That Nobody dies for sinners. Nobody goes out and finds the, the junkiest mass murderer they can find and say, I want to give up both of my kidneys for this individual. That doesn't happen. And it goes on to say that if we were reconciled to God while we were yet his enemies, how much more so will the life of Jesus Christ, will he save us in his life? And so I, I think about this stuff and I'm thinking, apart from Jesus, it's not like I'm just some great guy doing my thing. God says, apart from Jesus, I'm his enemy. I treat him as his enemy. My attitude towards God is, you're my enemy. I can't trust you. I don't want to be a part of your world. I want to be the boss here. I wish you were dead. And so for God to transform things so much so so that through faith in Jesus Christ, he says, "Now, now I've changed everything. I want you to come to me as your dad and I want to hear what you have to say. I want to listen to you. I want to commune with you by the Holy Spirit. That just shouldn't happen. If if I'm really God's enemy, to be in a place where I can get in a rocking chair and sit down and say, Dad, I want to talk to you. That shouldn't have happened. That's impossible. And so I just want to start by reminding us that our prayer lives are not about like, how much time did you spend in prayer today? It's a gospel thing. Jesus has died and risen from the grave to change everything so that God is our Father, and He loves to spend time with us, wants to spend time with us. The whole point of getting us saved is so that we can go to heaven, which is the place where everybody gets to spend all their time with God forever. That's the goal. It's not like God needed some chores done, and so He started saving people. So that people could clean up after on a Sunday morning as volunteers. God doesn't need anything. He doesn't ever need anything. But he wants us. And so he sent Jesus to get us. And between now and seeing Jesus face to face, we have this awesome thing called prayer where we can actually talk to God with full confidence through Jesus that he hears us. This is a miracle. It's just one of the best things ever. That in this life, you can fix your attention on God the Father and talk to Him and He's listening. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. So remember the gospel and remember that our prayer life, our connecting with God, our closet time, our our rocking chair time is a gospel thing that Jesus has won for us. Remember as well, this is point number two, Jesus' example. If you read through the gospels, it's hard to miss that Jesus prayed a lot and if there's anybody who shouldn't quote-unquote need to pray, it would be the perfect, infinite Word of God who does all things well. But Luke tells us in Luke 5.16 that Jesus would often withdraw to desolate places and pray. Though he always had more needs to deal with and always had more crowds coming to him and always had more people trying to praise him and get close to him, he would make a point of going out where there was nobody so that he could spend time with his Heavenly Father. And he's setting an example for us. And I also want us to remember, and this is point number three, the promise of Jesus. On Jesus' last night on earth, before he was arrested to be crucified, he had this long talk with his disciples. And he says to them in John fifteen five, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. So there's this great promise. He's like, you know, it's springtime, so everybody's waiting for the blossoms to start, or the leaves to start pushing their way out of the branches so that we can finally declare that it's only two more terrible blizzards until spring starts, right? You know what I'm talking about? You know, the, the, the plants start coming up. You're like, we're in, it's spring, and then white out, and then floods, and then okay. And once you're, you're convinced that you'll never have spring, that's when it actually starts. And so it's, it's, it's kind of like walking with God sometimes. uh, But Jesus is saying the same way that you know that those tree branches will only produce leaves and blossoms if they're attached to the trunk and the trunk is absorbing moisture out of the soil and pushing the nutrients into the branches to make those leaves happen. The same way that we know that, same way with me and you. If you abide with me, you will produce fruit. And if you don't, you won't. And I know the truest abiding is just being in Christ and believing in Him and being a Christian and being transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of life. That's the first abiding. But there's this ongoing living with Jesus where there's this promise. If you spend time with the Lord, you will produce fruit. That's the promise. And I'm emphasizing the promise. And yes, the other thing is true, but I'm emphasizing the promise. If you will spend time with Jesus... He will make you produce fruit. So let's remember that this is about the gospel. I'm not just teaching you how to become better people so we can pat ourselves on the back and feel like better Christians. Jesus purchased an impossible relationship for us with God and the Father so that we could come as true prayers. He won that. This is awesome. Number two, remember Jesus' example. Christ himself would often go on his own to be with God. And remember the promise. If we spend time with the Lord, he will produce fruit in us. Only nine more things to go. Number four, get alone. This is Jesus' teaching, Matthew 6.6. 6. When you pray... Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, Jesus isn't saying you can never pray in front of people because Jesus did pray in front of people. And, so, and I assume that if anybody in the world is consistent, it's Christ, not me, him. So it, he's not saying never pray alone. He's praying against people who make a show of it and only really pray when there's people to impress. But there is a truth here. He's saying that when you go to be with your Father, your Father shows up to reward you. Okay? When you go to be alone with God the Father... You aren't alone because he's there and he comes to reward you. And so there's something, there's just something about being a Christian where God has called all of us to find time alone with him. And it's precious and it's awesome and sometimes it's crazy and sometimes it's dull and sometimes it's boring and sometimes whatever. But just think about that call. Jesus is saying, go be with my dad. Have a relationship with Him that nobody else can see. Have experiences with Him that you can't even begin to explain to other people. Have secrets with God. I'm not talking about big, bad secrets, but there's something about having something with the Father which is just between you and Him and that you don't just run and play kiss and tell about. Thought number five. Trust in God and don't judge your time with Him. Jesus goes on to say in Matthew 6, And when you pray, do not keep up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So this is what's going on, okay? So there's the behavior of just going on and on and say, repeating their prayers and saying the same things over again and just, um, or whatever, or just just blah, 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 talking talking, 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 talking. And the heart issue that Jesus is dealing with here is that these Gentiles judge what they do. And they are harsh judgers of what they do. And so they assume that unless they've prayed a long time and it's been really hard and they cut themselves with swords and lances, unless they do all this stuff, God's not going to answer. And so the issue for Jesus is stop judging your prayer life. Instead... Trust my father. He knows what you need before you even show up. Don't be a judger. So when we go to be with the Lord, if you're anything like me, you're a bit, you can be a bit critical while it's happening. You know, you're in your prayer and you're going. Am I feeling it yet? Do I feel like the presence is here? Do I feel spiritual yet? Am I rocking fast enough? I'm not rocking fast. I'm gonna start really rocking. I'm rocking prayer. You know, you gotta you just you start judging. It. And am I saying it loud enough? Or am I not saying it loud enough? Did I read enough Bible? Did I not read enough Bible? Uh, I feel like I've been on the same verse for 15 minutes because of my distraction. And you start judging. Right? Have you ever done this? You're judging your prayer times. And just, just, Jesus is just like, he wants to pull the plug and let all of us just listen to the sound of all of our prayer judgments gurgle down the bathtub drain. He's just saying, you, you've come to be with my dad. He knows what you need. And, and I could go on and say, you know what, there isn't anybody in this room who's probably qualified to judge at prayer life. Yours or somebody else's. That's, that only God the Father is able to create a Christian prayer life and to coach it. And he uses people. I'm I'm not saying don't ever try to help anybody here. But I'm just saying if we are naturally judging our prayer lives and condemning our prayer lives and deciding it needs to be more and more intense and more bloodshed and more money and all this stuff, that comes from a heart of just not trusting God. So why don't we just trust him? Start off with trusting him. It has to be led by the Spirit. Amen. That was the fastest chair rocking I've ever done. I think I bruised my elbow for you. I suffered for you guys that was you can thank me later over a big Mac your treat thank you point number six let's work together okay let's work together if you live with people let's see connecting with Jesus as a team effort all right let's let's say if you've got kids or spouses or parents, let's say, I want to be involved in helping them have a good relationship with Jesus and not just about me. Because part of my thinking here is if if I send a group of six people who all live under the same roof and I say, you all need to have a great prayer life, what could happen? No, 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 you can't go spend time with the Lord. I need to go spend time with the Lord. I'm doing really bad. Okay, I just stubbed my toe on the dog on purpose. And so I need to go spend time with Jesus to deal with that. And so you can't, you need to take care of this. And then little Sally comes down and, ah, Johnny was pulling my hair again. And, and, and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Okay. The only way to really stop that scenario from happening is for everyone to decide oh, no, I'm going to help you to have a great relationship with Jesus. I'll serve first. You go have time with the Lord. And then I'll go second. And then you you can get in fights about who's going to go first, too, if you want to, you know. But we can fight about anything. I've noticed this. I've noticed over time. You can put a broken toy in between two toddlers, and they will fight over it. And if you put it in the garbage because it's broken, they'll cry. So that's us. We don't grow out of that. But all I'm trying to say is, Let's, if we live with people, let's make this a team effort. And if you're solo, if you're on your own, phone up a buddy and say, okay, I got this thing to do. Um, I want to I encourage you in this. Let's teamwork this thing. All right? Uh, thought number seven. So what I've been saying is, as we're going for closet time, as we're wanting to grow in this, let's remember this is a gospel thing. This isn't about us primarily. Jesus died and rose again and gave us the Holy Spirit so that we could have growing prayer lives with him. We don't earn it. We don't create it. We don't fashion it. We don't form it. We receive it from Jesus, but we have to do our part. Let's remember Jesus' example. He did this. He got time alone with God. Let's remember his promise. If we spend time with Jesus, he will make us fruitful. Let's remember to get alone. Let's remember to trust God and not judge our time and ruin our time by condemning ourselves. Let's work together in this. And number seven is let's bring our Bibles. Okay, I could go to the scripture here, but I'm, I'm going to tell a story instead about, about the Bible. Um, I'm reading through um, a biography by a Chinese Christian named Brother Yun. The biography is called The Heavenly Man. And he was a teenager when the communist government really took over in China and made a point of getting rid of every single Bible in China. So they, they kicked out every minish, uh, missionary on pain of death and they abused and imprisoned a whole bunch of the Chinese Christians, and they tried to destroy every single Bible. And so um, this guy is telling this testimony that his dad got really sick and was dying, and then his mom remembered Jesus. She was awakened in the middle of the night by somebody's voice saying something like, pray to Jesus about it. And she remembered that she had given her her life to the Lord years and years ago uh, while talking to a missionary. And so they prayed for Je- to Jesus to help the dad, and he got healed, which led to a nice little outbreak of revival in the town, because when you're a Chinese peasant in the 50s, and all of a sudden somebody who is supposed to be dead isn't, and it was because of Jesus' name, typically what they do is they go, oh, okay, then, then he must be real. But they, were so, they had no materials whatsoever, and so he, he really wanted a Bible, and they heard that there was a pastor, a guy who had been in prison for years for being a, a pastor in another town. So they went and visited him and he, and he said to him, look, I, I want to see your Bible. I don't want to re- even read it. I just want to see it. I just want you to hold the Bible in front of me. I don't need to touch it. I don't need to read it. I'm just so hungry for the word of God that just looking at it will encourage me. But he was the pastor was so um, afraid and legitimately so that he didn't want to show anybody his Bible because it could... The police could show up, or it could be a sting, or he could be, get betrayed. So he just said to him, look, if you really want a Bible, why don't you fast and pray that God will give you one? Amen? And so he did, and he fasted and prayed for a long time. His mom and his dad thought, kind of thought he was going crazy. But uh, what happened was there was another evangelist who may have been in prison at the time. I don't, can't remember the exact details. And he had hidden some Bibles in tin cans under the ground. And as he was praying, God was talking to him. There's this young guy in this city, in this region, and he's praying for a Bible. I want you to give him your Bible. And he hesitated for a long time because that's weird, but eventually what he did is he got some of his friends to go and dig up one of his Bible and take it to that city, to that town, to that guy. And so Brother Young says, you know, I had this dream one night that these two guys were going to show up and one of them was going to give me a Bible. And then those two guys showed up that day and he gave me a Bible. And it's like... And he just started reading it and memorizing it, and he became an evangelist right away um, because he was the only guy around with a Bible. And I was just reading this, and I was thinking to myself, "There's no way I take my Bible seriously enough." And so, when we go to be with God, let's bring our Bible, even if even if all you do is kind of hold it while you pray. That's good. Have you ever done that? I used to do. I used to go to bed with my Bible. I just like, oh. God for the Bible. But life gets busy and you forget the truth sometimes. So bring your Bible. Thought number eight, point number eight. Pray God will talk to you and then trust him with the results. Okay? Pray God will talk to you and then trust him with the results. You can pray he'll talk to you through the Bible, which is what you should do and great. Sometimes God talks to us through impressions or thoughts or pictures or just all of a sudden you can't stop thinking about somebody and you feel like you need to give them a phone call. God does talk to his kids. But maybe this isn't your experience, but sometimes people can get really psyched out by the idea of being talked to by God. This may not be you. So you can be sitting there going, okay, Pastor Rob said I'm supposed to pray to you that you'd talk to me. Okay, but now I'm really anxious that you're not going to talk to me. Okay, now I'm really anxious that you're not going to talk to me because I was anxious that you weren't going to talk to me. Now I want you to talk to me. But now I'm worried that you're going to talk to me and you're going to ask me to do something psycho. And so now I don't want you to talk to me because you might ask me to do something psycho. But now I feel bad that I don't want you to talk to me because you might ask me to do something psycho. So I want you to talk to me, but I want you to say something gentle. And and oh, and you're just like, okay, never mind. I'm just going to stop believing that God talks to people. You know, people can psych themselves out. And I wish I were joking. This does happen. And usually the more like issues are in your face, the more you want him to talk and you don't want him to talk at the same time. Or you want him to talk but are assuming he's not going to talk. Whatever. This is Jesus' attitude towards us coming to God the Father. Um, Luke 18, 15-17. Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Stop bringing children to Jesus, they said. Becoming sermon illustrations for the rest of human history. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belong the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. These are amazing and severe words. If you won't be a child before my father, you can't be saved. That's what he's saying. Ah! So what he's saying is, God's expectation is that all of us would just become little children in his presence. And we would ask for stuff and expect him to respond, however is wise and good, just like parents do. You know, um, there's a friend of ours who came to help install a wall bed yesterday at our house, and this is his custom is to never show up at somebody's house without a big box of Timbits, and he was really happy to find out that Tim Hortons has upgraded to the 50 Timbit box. Has anybody got one of these before? Okay, so that that's a lot. Sugar. (laughs) And so our kids always want Timbits. And so they asked for Timbits way more often than they actually got some. But that's fine. Sometimes we ask for things from dad, and he gives us some tomatoes instead of some Timbits because that's what we need. And uh, we are very cranky pants when all we eat is sugar all day. But we're called to be children. Okay? We're called to sit before the Word and sit before God in prayer as just children, asking and expecting. Now I know there's many people here who love Bible study, so I'm going to share a, uh, another little story about helping us to do this. Um, love Bible study, love wrestling through big things. Um, I, Jackie and I went on a retreat when we moved to Vancouver many, many moons ago, and the person who was speaking at was a guy named Bruce Walkey. I think he's still alive. He's quite older, but at a time in his life, I'm pretty sure he was the English-speaking world's expert on Biblical Hebrew. He was the guy who wrote textbooks for people who were studying it at a PhD level. And he was in the process of publishing a two-set volume on the book of Proverbs, which has like 30 pages of books referenced, and he, and he said, I read them all. So here's a guy who's read, just on the book of Proverbs, hundreds of books, including commentaries on the book of Proverbs. So he's really smart. Uh, got, little side note, God has got such a great sense of humor. When he gives people talents like that, he also often gives them these great funny weaknesses just to even them out a little bit. So there's this story about Bruce Walkey that was told in his presence, so it's true, that he once um, drove to a conference and then flew home because he forgot that he had driven there. Anybody Anybody been there? He, there's another story that he was he was trying to fly to a conference or from, back from a conference, and he was just enjoying his book so much that he missed his flight. Okay, So imagine, he's sitting in the airport, first call, second call, would Bruce Walkie, please come to the airplane, just missed it completely, had to rebook another ticket, and then missed that flight too, because he just got back into his book again. So God's got a sense of humor with smart people. Anyhow... People were kind of just asking him, like, look, you know how to study the Bible more than anybody else here will ever be able to. Um, what do we do with the Bible? Like, you could sit here and talk about a verse all day. And he said, well, even even smart people or whatever, even Bible studiers, they need to come back to a place where they're just sitting as children before the word again. They They answer their questions, they do their best to understand, and then they put all that aside and they just come back and just... Be children reading the Bible. Be children asking God to speak again. And if they don't do that, they get really dry and crusty. So that's my encouragement to you. You'll always have more questions about Scripture. Don't let them keep you from just being a kid, sitting in front of their dad, having time talking with him. And if you do have big questions, try to get some answers. That's great, but you got to come back and just be, you're my dad, I'm your kid, I want to talk i want to listen amen all right point number nine so i've said remember this is about the gospel 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 remember jesus's example even jesus went and had solo time with god lots remember his promise if we spend time abiding in jesus if we spend time in his presence he will make us bear fruit Remember to get alone with God. Remember to trust Him and not to judge your time. Um, oh, i gotta, I got to come back to this one. We don't know actually what God does in our souls when we spend time with Him. And we don't know what He's working on as we spend time with Him. I really enjoy making roasted chickens. And you're going to want one by the time I'm telling, done telling this story. I just love taking a raw chicken. Um, I, I don't, wouldn't necessarily want to have to cut its head off and pluck it, but, you know, from from Costco, the bulk chickens. I love getting those things and, and making a roast chicken. And for me, in order to have a really great roast chicken, it should sit in a salty brine for at least 12 hours, but more than that is great, so that the, the savoriness gets infused right into the meat of the chicken. And then from there, you need to shake the water out quite a bit But then, from there, you make this great stuffing that's a flavor-only stuffing. You're not going to eat the stuffing, but you just cram that thing full of onions and some nice bread that is um, moist enough to hold the olive oil. It needs to soak up the olive oil. You put the bread and the olive oil in there with the onions and the garlic and... um, Some bay leaves and some celery. You need celery in your stuffing, everybody. I don't care if you like to eat it. You need to get the flavor of that celery into the chicken in order for it to be a great roast chicken. And then you take... Thanks, Corinne. All right, I was waiting for somebody to... It's 12.30. Does somebody want to just order in some food for when I'm done here? Anyhow, and then the outside of the chicken needs to be really well covered with, what what I do is um, you, you take a big blob of margarine and you just cover that thing with garlic powder and oregano and basil until you've got this like gritty mash. It's like this gritty gross mash and you just massage that chicken like it was paying you $50 an hour and you just massage that flavor mash all over that chicken and then from there, you cook it. And it takes forever because it's been brining, so it takes a lot longer than normal. But when you pull that thing out, it's so delicious. And if you really want to get fancy, you can feed bacon underneath the chicken skin so that the bacon grease actually fries the chicken skin from the bottom upwards. It's so good. Anyhow, I'm telling you that story because for, for, for me to roast the chicken, it's a bit of a process. Amen? and the kind of roast chicken God wants to make you is going to be a bit of a process. And so sometimes there's there's brining days, sometimes there's bacon under the skin days, sometimes there's the stuffing going in days. And so we just need to we need to walk with the Lord cuz we don't know exactly what kind of Christian he's making us to be for the mission he has for us next month, next week, next year. Amen. So that was point number 5, the remake. Hey, if Batman can have 18 remakes, I can redo one of the points in my sermon. Point number six, we're working together on this. Let's care about how other people's times with the Lord are. Um, When I became a pastor, Ron said it was really important that I get Jackie out to be with the Lord every week. And so almost every week for about four years, Jackie gets three or four hours out every afternoon which can feel like a bit of a burden, like not a burden, a sacrifice. Like my days off where I get to turn off my phone, half of it, my wife is out being with Jesus. But she she would go crazy without it. And so I'm just sharing this. This is actually a lifestyle thing. And I, I do want to be a sacrificer for other people's relationships with Jesus. Bring your Bible, pray that God will talk to you and trust him with the results. Um, set and number nine set yourself up for success okay so for some of us our time connecting with the lord will be vastly improved by owning a keurig machine and taking a 16 ounce cup and squirting some nesquik in the bottom and then putting some milk in there stirring it together and then putting it getting some coffee in there you have a scottish mocha i call it and uh your times of the Lord will be improved just because it will help you relax and enjoy God's creation. Some, some of us might need to stare at a window with a great view. Some of us might need to go for walks. Um, I find that I connect God, with God differently while I'm moving than when I'm not. Also, just like being outside, you feel the sunshine, you feel the wind, you just think to yourself, God is pushing millions of molecules of hydrogen and nitrogen and oxygen against my face, and he is in control of every single movement of the wind that will ever happen in human history. It just changes things to be outside moving sometimes, and some of you probably will connect with God better while you're doing that than if you're sitting in the rocking chair. So when I'm talking about closets and I'm talking about rocking chairs, I'm not talking about closets and rocking chairs, I'm talking about getting alone with your father and connecting with him. some of you might be blessed by having earphones and playing music so you can block out the world. I can't imagine anybody connecting with God better by having their Facebook feed in front of them on their smartphone. Amen? Anybody here just saying, Oh, I feel so spiritual. I feel so spiritual. I feel so spiritual. I feel so spiritual. Like, 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 like. You're laughing because you've done it. <laughs> so I'll just leave that with you. All I'm saying is set yourself up for connecting with the Lord. Set yourself up for success as much as it's in your power. But don't make an idol out of this. Because if you read the Bible, there's people praying to God from the inside of a whale. There's people praying to God from the inside of a prison. There's people praying to God from the, from the cross. And so don't make an idol out of this, but in your daily life, set yourself up for success. Number 11, really talk to God. When we have our time with the Lord, Um, the temptation can be just to launch into our routine. The temptation can be to say what we think God wants us to hear. Um, But I I encourage each one of us to really talk to God. When I look at Jesus and his prayers in Scripture, whether it's in the Garden of Gethsemane or in John chapter 17, I think it is, his high priestly prayer, he is praying from the heart. And if you go through this book of Psalms, which are crafted poems, so people sat down and they they worked it out, line, meter, word choice, but they're from the heart as well. All right, so there's something about coming to God where we're at, which is so important. Again, we don't need to make an idol out of being where we're at. I remember when I was in my 20-somethings, there was kind of this group of Friends I knew who thought that they were becoming all more authentic by swearing more often, you know I'm a more authentic blankety blank Christian because I blankety blank blankety blank and you don't blankety blank you know it's kind of like well i that doesn't I don't know if that's actually how it works, but there's kind of like this fake authenticity that we can try to muster up, but I'm just saying when you sit down with the Lord, just start with where you're at. And I'm partially saying this because I know that many sometimes people are intimidated in having solo time with the Lord because they feel like it's awkward, they don't know what to do. So what I'm saying is when you sit down in your chair, when you go for your walk, start there. God, I actually find it awkward to talk to you. I find it awkward to talk when there's nobody else around. And just start there. Amen. When I was saying blankety blank, what I was what those words were replacing is Have a great time, bless you. Okay, that's what I was replacing. Just in case somebody asks, what does blankety blank mean? It just means have a great time, bless you. (laughs) Thank you for enjoying that joke. All right, number 12 is don't quit. Don't quit. Remember that this is about the gospel and Jesus has won you your prayer life. It comes through the kingdom. Number two, Jesus set us an example of getting alone with God. Number three, remember the promise. If we spend time with Jesus, he will make us fruitful. Number four, find ways to get alone with God. Number five, trust him and don't judge your time. Number six, um, work together in this as families or friends or buddies or however you connect with people. Number seven, bring your Bible. Number eight, pray God will talk to you and just trust him with how he wants to talk to you. Number nine, set yourself up for success. Number 10, oh, I missed that one. Get encouraged. Read a biography, like I read, about Brother Young and his life. Just It only takes two pages, and I'm already feeling like, wow, God get that in that guy's life? I want to have my relationship with God now. So if you have books that, you, that kind of prime the pump for you, some people find it hard to dive straight into Leviticus. So if you need to read something from the Heroes of Faith Then and Now series to get you encouraged, go for it. Number 11, really talk to God. Number 12, don't quit in luke 18 verse 1 jesus tells a parable and luke says this jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart so i'm not going to even tell you the parable because luke told us what the parable was supposed to do jesus taught people to to pray and to not lose heart to not quit and you will be tempted. You will lose heart. You'll get stressed. You'll get sick. You'll get tired. Things will get busy. You'll get discouraged. People will hurt you. Life is going to happen. We will get sorely, sorely, sorely tempted to quit on our on our closet time. And sometimes we will quit on our closet time. But I, what I'm saying is, get back up and don't quit. Amen? So I... I we have these great, life-changing sheets of paper in your... Bulletins. Does anybody just want to wave one at me to prove that you, you got it? Okay. So these are to help us practically apply these things. So some of my points have found them way, their way into these things, and I want everybody to take these home and just write out these things. So number one is people I'm going to pray for, and this is helping us to tackle closet time as a team, as a church. So I want to encourage you to think of three people or more who you will pray that they will start having better and better times with Jesus. Could be a spouse, could be a family member, could be me. I would appreciate it. Nobody thinks of Pastor Rob when it's time to pray for a better prayer life. They say he's got a rocking chair; he doesn't need my prayers. You can pray for me, but this is start your time. When I sit down to pray, I want this person. God, would you help this person have a great prayer life with you? Would you help this person connect with you? Would you help this family to, protect, to connect with you? What we're doing there is we're, we're fighting against just getting isolated. And if you want to phone these people and tell them, you know what, I'm going to be praying for you for the next few weeks about this thing, I guarantee you it won't discourage them. And if you have a buddy that you want to pair up on this and you want to just kind of do a, we're going to see how we're doing. We're going to talk about how often we're going to connect and we're going to try to keep, keep each other accountable isn't even the right word. Um, it, but encourage each other in it. The second thing is writing down the times and places you want to connect with the Lord. Okay? And the reason I have three slots here is most people kind of have one time and place that they want to connect with the Lord. First thing in the morning on the couch with a cup of coffee, and then what happens? Uh, you, your, your bed felt extra comfy, and then you're being up, woken up by one of the kids telling you that the dog just peed on the floor because they let them out of the kennel early, earlier than you woke up. Voice of experience. And so all of a sudden, your first time in the day to meet with the Lord is shot. Are you going to get disappointed? Are you going to get discouraged? Are you going to quit right there? No, because you've got time number two. Could be lunchtime, could be right after you get home. I don't know what it is. And even if that gets shot, you've got time number three. All right. So I'm, I'm saying, let's plan to have backups for connecting with the Lord. It doesn't have to be forever. 10, 15 minutes, praise the Lord. If you connect, you connect. But let's be shrewd, knowing that life is chaotic and have backup times to connect with the Lord. Amen? Point number C. What will I do to help me connect? Is it the cup of coffee? Is it the bringing a biography along with it? Is it putting in the headphones? Write out what actually helps you connect with the Lord, and then this is that preparing yourself or setting yourself up for success. Okay, So think about it. What actually is something that I like to do that helps me connect with God? Is it riding a bike? Is it going for a walk? Is it standing outside in negative 30 and just knowing that there is not another living soul that is sane out there at that time, trying to connect with the Lord, except for perhaps my father-in-law? But you know yourself better than I know you, so you write that down and try to fulfill it. And then the last one is what I'm going to do if it's not working. So I put this one down here because everybody in this room it's going to find lots of challenges in their prayer life. And some of us are going to be like, yeah, I'm really pumped. I'm going to go buy a rocking chair. It's not going to be one of these these rocker ones that cut people's toes off. I'm going to get one of those glider rockers that even moves smoother and everything, and I won't fall asleep. And uh, we're going to be all pumped up, and then a day from now, a week from now, a month from now, we're going to be discouraged for whatever reason. What are you going to do about it? Okay, so that's point number one. Then what are you going to do? So I want us to think about it. What are we going to do when it feels like it's not working, when it feels like it's falling apart, when we're discouraged? And just think about that because we all know that things eventually fall apart. Amen? Or is it just me? Maybe you guys don't ever have things fall apart. It's just me thinking, Rob, we know what you do when you try to cook a chicken, so I can tell you why things fall apart really easy. You're crazy. So I want you to take this and I want you to put this in your Bible. And I, I want to invite you to have a discussion with somebody sometime today about how you've done with writing things down, and then just try to work it. Don't get, don't get discouraged. Just try to work it. Amen? So I'm going to pray, and then I'll hand it off to whomever. Father, I just thank you. And Lord, I am so, so grateful for the call to prayer, Lord. We take this so for granted and Lord, you know that there are many people believing false things about God's, And they think, if it's not at the temple, or if I haven't done this thing, or even if I sacrificed my child to you, I wouldn't know if you're listening or not. And God, here we are as Christians, knowing that through Jesus, you are eager to respond to us. You have sent the Spirit to be your presence with us, Lord. We have the best of the best of the best. And we can come and be with you, and you're with us. God, this is the best thing ever. And so, Father, I pray that you'd help us to live there, not be discouraged, and not to psych ourselves out, but to keep seeking and growing and connecting with you and trusting that you are going to change everything about our lives as we are just with you. Father, I remember that as the apostles were getting confronted and attacked and beaten, that... I think it was the the Sanhedrin said, we remember that these people have been with Jesus. That's why these fishermen are turning this city upside down. And would you do the same for us? Amen.